0: Welcome to Witham Sounding Board, a podcast sharing powerful business tips, insights, and trends for those seeking to become a rock star in their industry. Hi, everyone. I'm Kim Gordon, and I'm here with Steve Janak from SWK Technologies. Steve is Director of Solution Architecture of Enterprise Solutions with 30 years of experience in the food and beverage industry. Today, Steve is going to talk about traceability in terms of the new regulations and proposed regulations that are in discussion from the FDA. Steve, take it away. Thanks, Kim. Happy to be here today. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot going on in the world right now with COVID and everything else, and, and at the same time, uh, there's been some drastic changes that have occurred over the past uh, um, decade or so related to food safety and, and the FDA regulations, et cetera. You know, uh, uh, with the uh, Food Safety Modernization Act uh, that came out a while ago, there were a number of regulations put in place in regards to tracking and traceability, uh, um, how quickly we should do things and what was required, you know, based on trying to make sure the public stays uh, safe and that we don't have large outbreaks of of, uh, food uh, safety-related illnesses, et cetera. Um, As you know, uh, a number of things that came out in uh, FSMA was the uh, idea that the FDA could request recalls that went beyond what originally was out there, which was a mandatory recall, was the only time the FDA kind of stepped in. Now they can request it or strongly request it. Um, and at the same time, they've encouraged companies to do voluntary recalls in the food industry, uh, not unlike they do in the automotive industry at times. So so those have all been in place for a while and we, we understand how we have to address those types things, um, things. Recently, there's been a couple of new uh, regulations that have come out and a couple of proposed regulations that are in process. Uh, The first major one related to traceability was uh, in FSMA Chapter 204, where they've established the food traceability list for high-risk products. Uh, It's currently in the implementation stage, so right now it's kind of getting rolled out across the country. Um, And and for anybody familiar with how we kind of class uh, food safety recalls, you know, there was a class one, two, or three level. Um, This does not replace that, uh, but it does contain, the list does contain all the products that are traditionally have caused a class one recall, which is a a high public safety uh, uh, problem. Um, A second initiative that just came out in November and is currently in the comment phase through the end of this month, uh, February of 2021, is the FDA new era of safety of food safety blueprint, okay? Uh, basically, what this is is that uh, they're going to require anybody who manufactures, processes, packs, or or holds foods on that food traceability list to uh, maintain records that contain key data elements um, and and they're all associated with different, what they're calling critical tracking events or CTEs. Um, The proposed requirements only apply to those foods on the food uh, uh, traceability list Um, but they're designed to be suitable for all FDA-regulated food products, so not just those on the list. Right now, they don't apply to those, but, you know, it's important to note, Kim, that uh, the FDA is encouraging the voluntary adoption of these practices industry-wide. So, Steve, what products are considered high-risk and included on the food traceability list? Well, uh, typically there's all your, your usual suspects, so uh, soft cheeses that uh, we were concerned about, listeria and other things in, um, shell eggs uh, based on uh, some of the issues we've seen in the past with uh, chicken eggs, et cetera, um, anything that's a nut butter that's classified where we know people, people have uh, nut allergies, et cetera, that can cause an issue, um, and, then, and then a whole slew of things that I'll just call fresh. Um, There's a lot of different categories there, but basically any fruits, vegetables, um, herbs, et cetera, that, that are, are picked and sold fresh as opposed to processed in any manner are included on the list. So, you know, we, we all understand about leafy green vegetables. Uh, we've had issues with salads in the past, um, but also on here now are listed uh, cucumbers and peppers and melons and different things like that that uh, we may not have thought of as high-critical uh, products in the past, but the FDA is now considering that. Um, why is also- that? Yes? Why is that? Well, you know, in this past year, there's been a couple of instances with romaine lettuce, and and I believe there was a cow instance where where there was uh, mass contamination and and prepared salads uh, that were put out to the public, and and a lot of people became ill, and, and it was discovered that it's really difficult to trace back to where those came from, because that industry moves so fast. You know, the the cycle from picking in the fields to uh, processing in a plant somewhere, packaging it, getting it through retail distribution and into stores is very fast. Uh, So when there was a problem, it it was difficult to move backwards and find out exactly where everything happened in a timely basis, because the record keeping, quite frankly, just wasn't quite there uh, for most of that industry at that time. So Understood. So, what determines what foods are included in the list? So, uh, basically, uh, Congress kind of got uh, involved um, and they kind of took over Section 204 of the Food Safety Modernization Act and, and developed this model and then told the FDA to kind of run with it. Um, it, it basically focused on uh, biological hazards and acute chemical toxins that might be present. Um, and that could cause an immediate public health risk and, and for which traceability is going to be needed to find those products quickly and get them out of the marketplace. Um, it's also interesting to note that this is not a, a hard list, Kim. Uh, this can be modified at any time. So they can put products onto it. They may take products off of it um, and they may expand it to much wider than what it is right now. And I sort of anticipate that that's going to happen over time. Understood. So what is the purpose of the new ERA Blueprint? Well, what they're trying to do is is, uh, outline some achievable goals to enhance traceability. They really want to be able to respond more rapidly to outbreaks, and they want to be able to reduce contamination of food and then also foster uh, ways to make stronger food safety culture. It's all kind of included in that. Um, It really outlines a partnership between government, industry, and the public health advocates And and they really want to further modernize our approach to food safety in doing this. So what aspects of food safety does the Blueprint focus on? So they started with four core elements that they're really kind of going in on. um, And they're really saying that if they just address these four, they could significantly reduce uh, illnesses caused by food. Uh, Basically, the four are tech-enabled traceability, uh, smarter tools and approaches for prevention and outbreak response, Uh, new business models in retail modernization, and food safety culture. Uh, But Kim, for today, what we're really going to focus on in these episodes are the tech-enabled traceability portion. So can you briefly describe the tech-enabled traceability? Sure. Um, They want to have advanced traceability uh, so that they can help protect consumers more than they have in the past. How are they going to do that? They want more rapid tracebacks. They want to identify specific sources and and also help in removing the products from the marketplace as quickly as possible. You know, the goal is to support end-to-end traceability throughout the food safety system. Um, in doing this, the FDA is going to find different ways to encourage uh, companies and, and, and uh, producers, et cetera, up and down the food chain, supply chain, uh, to voluntarily adopt these tracing technologies and, and then try to harmonize all those into a single way of reporting back to the government. Um, the goal here is to eventually implement you know, internal digital technology at the FDA you know, such as blockchain so that as they get all these pieces of critical information from different sources, they can piece them all together and and get that true chain of of end-to-end, farm-to-fork, if you want to call that, in in the event that there is a recall. So, are there any other requirements? Yeah, um, the proposed rule also says that, you know, records have to be maintained as either original paper records, which is what a lot of companies do right now, electronic records or true copies, Um, And they also must be legible and and have to be stored so that they don't lose them anywhere. You know, uh, traceability records have to be provided to the FDA. Uh, This is the interesting part, is even though they say we can do paper records, um, true copies, you know, must be legible and all that, they have to be provided to the FDA as soon as possible, but no later than 24 hours after a request is made. You know, I I challenge anybody who's on paper records at this point to uh, really trace everything back and be able to respond uh, with an electronic sortable spreadsheet with all the relevant traceability information they're requiring within 24 hours of the request. I just don't think that's possible in a lot of our situations out there right now. Right. Thank you, Steve, for this. Um, Thanks for everyone for joining the podcast. Uh, You can find Steve in the next episode where he'll discuss critical tracking events and what that means in regards to new regulations from the FDA. I'm Kim. This is Steve. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be first in line to hear what's coming next. Don't want to wait for our next episode? Check us out at Witham.com. That's W-I-T-H-U-M dot com.